Welcome to Spritz and Scrums, a podcast by three Benetton fans with a love for Aperol and all things Rugby Italiano. Ireland silenced every Italy player, fan, coach and nonna on Sunday. But we ask, what are the positives that came out of Dublin? Well, I'll start with my profound statement of the weekend, which I think you guys might have forgotten. But that game was the dictionary definition of the words, it is what it is. I had forgotten you said that. You're going to get that put on a T-shirt. <laughs> Indeed. That game is, just, it is what it is. You play in Ireland, if not the best team on the planet. In Dublin. In Dublin. In the early days of a Six Nations tournament. And um, it is what it is. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> like and subscribe. <laughs> it was tough, 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 tough. Look, um, we're going to keep it short. We're going to keep it snappy. And I think we can keep it relatively positive. 36 nil never looks good. It feels painful. It, it felt rough having to sit down and watch the game back because obviously Eddie and I watched it in the pub, which at the time I was like, oh, thank God I'm in the pub. I can distract myself. I've not like set aside an afternoon where I'm watching this at home and there's no joy. No joy comes from watching back a game that you know you score no points, nil point in. But I do think it is what it is. I think there are positives. To show just how it is what it is, it was. Italy were beaten 36-0 by Ireland. It did not affect the world ranking points at all. Did not move the needle at all. I'm not just talking about positions. I'm saying Ireland are on 92.11 before that game. At the end of the game, they're still on 92.11. Italy were on 75.58 before that game. They're still on 75.58. That shows that that result is very much in keeping with where these sides are in the world rankings. Yeah. And I think on paper, when you consider that Italy got into Ireland's 22 twice in the entire game, and that was in the first 20 minutes of the game. So essentially what we're saying is they defended for 80 minutes because they did, because every time they defended well and won a penalty, they then did something that meant that basically it was null and void. That is actually quite impressive to keep Ireland to just 36 points. I don't wanna say kind of what we said last week, which was last week against England in the 78th minute, you're sitting with England literally on your try line and what's going to happen? You're going to give away that final try and the score line would end up being 17-34. Again, Italy this week, if it had happened three years ago, the score would have been 60-0. There were some mammoth defensive shifts and now we're going to turn, apart from when we talk about the line out, to some positive aspects to this game. Because yes, the defence was monumental. Italy had a higher tackle percentage success rate than Ireland. But because they never had the ball, it didn't really matter. But they also turned over more ball than Ireland did. And the stat is Italy... No, 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 no. It's a wrong stat because actually Italy were turned over Ireland 12 times and were turned over 14 times. So, but still... 
It's not miles apart. It didn't feel that way. It felt like Italy were getting a ton of turnovers. It's just every time they get a turnover, so they won a penalty, they'd then kick to touch and the line-out would go wrong or the line-out miraculously didn't go wrong and then they'd knock the ball on. Yes, so here's another positive you could take from that game. That in the cauldron that is the Aviva Stadium, Italy conceded less penalties than Ireland. Yeah. Italy conceded nine penalties, Ireland conceded 11. The issue is that when Italy got their penalties, they then kicked a touch, they then cocked up five line-outs, and on top of the that, two line-outs that they didn't cock up, the ball was knocked on in the first phase. So that's seven penalties to the corner, which resulted in nothing. nothing. If, if anything, resulted in Irish attacking opportunities, because they'd win that line-out and go again. They'd pick up that knocked-on ball and go again. So it was literally water off a duck's back for Ireland every time they gave a penalty away or they got turned over. They'd just wait a second for Italy to cock it up and go again. For most of their game, their scrum leaked penalties. You can't win a game like that. But again, that shows how few penalties Italy gave away in open play because most of the penalties they conceded were from the scrum. Mm. The scrum, that's a concern potentially, but Ireland have a mammoth scrum. They have a mammoth everything. (sighs) The line-out, though, they've got two weeks to work on that. Yeah, I know we're talking about the positives, and we will keep talking about the positives. I thought Italy's line-out was shocking against England, but it was abysmal against Ireland. I mean, Ireland are are beasts. We've said it, we'll say it again. You just can't afford to do anything wrong against what is basically the number one side of... I mean, they are. And so Ireland will have seen Italy... Italy having a weak point in their lineout against England, and they'll have gone, we'll target that. But lots of them weren't, lots of them were unforced errors, in oh, my yeah. opinion. Lots of them were just completely cocked up lineouts. And unfortunately, it was both hookers that seemed to be guilty yeah. of that. Ireland didn't miss or lose a single lineout. And that's how you smash games, not just win games. Your scrum and your lineout, I mean, it's, it's the basics. But if you go back and watch the game, there's so many times where Italy put in colossal defensive shifts, regardless of that. The beginning of the game, they stopped a rolling more. There were passages of play which resulted when Ireland were camped in their 22 and left with absolutely nothing. Mm. Defensively, there were some absolute standout players. The amount of tackles the players put in was huge, and it doesn't get any harder than that. Lamaro is now the top tackler in the Six Nations over the first two rounds. He's put in more tackles than anybody else in these first two games of the Six Nations. So that will tell you everything you need to know about how hard they've had to work in defence. The commentator said, oh, it's getting to the point where the little things are becoming the big things for Italy. And it really was. It was the little mistakes that just add up and add up and add up. And so nothing ever gets going. Varney, superb try-saving tackle. And we could look at that all day long. That was DuPont-esque try-saving tackle. But in attack, there's no excuse for getting your box kick charged down twice. It was painful to watch. Every time he did it, without one of those, what do they call it when they have the... Caterpillars. The caterpillar. Without a caterpillar, that man struggles. (laughs) And And I've said that twice today. 
It's a weird sentence to say, but I've said it twice today. But <laughs> I need to know the context <laughs> for the other time you said this. But he struggled, didn't he? The commentator said, oh, you know, he needs to be the one organising his forwards a bit better to give him more protection. And his the other commentator, I can't remember who it was, was like, yeah, or he just needs to be doing it quicker. Because, you know, obviously Ireland are on fire. Ireland would go for every single charge down they possibly can. But you've got to know that they're going to do that. And so you just need to be doing whatever you're doing half a second quicker. Um, yeah. And honestly, once it happens once, you can't get charged down twice. You just can't. Well, maybe just kudos to the island forwards, because normally you just have you're either the caterpillar or there's somebody guarding or marginally in the way to stop yeah. the charge down. So if everyone is too busy trying to stop Ireland, yeah. it's just they're just sucking them all in. So that might even be a tactic. I don't know. But normally there's guards and it's pretty simple. Yeah, he needs to put them in. Ireland will look at that. Smart players will look at how to exploit that. Talking about the defence, though, from before, I've got the stats up here. And one trope which people used to talk about Italian rugby is how, you know, they'd get tired towards the end. Mm. Don't hear that anymore, and for Mm. good reason, because it's absolute garbage. But these stats here, the amount of tackles that were made, and I've only got the top five, but I imagine there's a bunch below this, which are also massive. Most... Successful tackles in that game. Nicola Canone made 21. Manuel Zuliani made 20. Lamaro made 19. Alessandro Izacor made 17. Gianmarco Lucchese made 17. That is a massive, massive work ethic. Mm-hmm. But again, if you only have 30% possession and sod all territory against Ireland you could be tackling all day they will score eventually they will score and they did and look their tries were for the most part Eddie watched one of their tries in slow motion and he was like they fooled me they literally fooled me in slow motion I knew what they were going to do I was watching it to work out what the play was and they still fooled me yeah it was a Jack, Jack Crowley pass and even in slow motion it does me I'm, I'm looking the wrong way it's a no look pass <laughs> So yeah, look, I, I, it looks bad on the scoreboard, but I, I really think it could have been A, a lot worse, and B, I think there's a lot of positives to take away from it. Losing like that away in Dublin to one of the number one teams in the world, 36-0 with basically no ball. I cannot explain how little attacking threat we had. The amount of times we'd win a penalty, go for that line-out, the line-out would cock out, or the line-out miraculously wouldn't cock, cock up. And then in that first phase of play, someone would knock that ball on. The handling errors must have been humongous. It just, you can't expect to compete when you're never yeah. in attack. Well, I would say they did show attacking threat when they had the opportunity, despite they only getting into the 22 twice, but they had no, absolutely no platform to work from. Zero. And that, that's an issue. I think the main thing is the fact that Ireland gave way more penalties than Italy. So you go like, oh, okay, wow. But none of them, it doesn't matter if you can't capitalise on them, if you do nothing from them. Positives, it's an odd positive. But Italy, despite everything, actually conceded less points against Ireland in Dublin than France conceded against Ireland in France. Mm-hmm. So it kind of puts it into perspective that defensively, they were not bad at all yeah that's a good that's a that's a positive that is a positive and when i say not bad at all people listen like yeah you lost 36 nil yeah they did but 
I don't think anyone would be surprised with Ireland scoring 36 points against Italy in Dublin. I don't think that that number that number's not 100. That number's not 50. That number's yeah. not 90. That's a sort of if Italy had scored some, that would be a 36-24. You know that it, you know those scores are not ridiculous. Yeah. Being nilled is a problem. But again, we've been over that. They gave themselves no platform to work on. Yeah. Um, Coach, you came half, 50% close to guessing the score. I thought you were trolling us because I put a thing on Instagram being like, oh, whoever gets the exact score wins a spritz off Coach. And uh, do you know what you wrote? Were you drunk when you wrote it? Very possibly. You were drunk. I'll remind you. What did I put? You put final score (laughs) (laughs) 3-0. I was like, is he trolling me? But you were right. We, you know, nil did happen. Um, but but no, no cigar. You didn't quite get the spritz. It was half right. Also, another positive, which kind of doesn't feel like a positive when you're watching the game or even sort of straight afterwards, but looking ahead, is that hopefully it didn't look like we came away with any injuries, which is important. Yeah. And there'd have to be major injuries, you'd think, to stop someone playing in the next game because it's two weeks away yeah. i was concerned about injuries because of the intense tackling that was going on well exactly for the amount of time that they had to defend and for how intensely they had to defend there very well could have been injuries in fact it's kind of surprising that the two big ones came last week for negri and um lorenzo canone they were definitely missed weren't they they were missed nick easter wrote an article recently saying that Italy are looking good they've got really good backs now but their forwards aren't up to scratch and I read it and I got immediately angry about it and then thinking about it I went he's he's kind of onto something a little bit not you know you could be in the top 10 side in the world Italy can be a definitely in the top 10 side in the world by tightening their ship up and and getting it all together absolutely But to be one of the top teams in the world, they don't have any absolute monsters. The Etzbeths, the Aldrits, I don't know. I mean, he did say, no, he said one to five. He didn't say all forwards. He said between one and five, he thinks they're lacking. Well, at the minute, they are missing two tight heads. They've got a tight head and a loose head who are very young coming in. Their hookers are good. And a lot of pressure is put on Canone and Rutzer. Neither of them are absolutely massive it is a shame that um, Dino Lamb is injured because he was actually becoming quite a big tasty second row mm-hmm. but where's your Will Skelton's mm-hmm. yeah uh, yeah yeah it's not I mean I was angry as well when I read it but then objectively I suppose yeah between one and five I mean the back row I think is still I think can compete but where is it in Wales where is it in Scotland where are their front front row of Elizabeths? They don't have them either. That's true. Yeah, I mean, where are they in Wales? Yeah, it blew my mind. This isn't really relevant, but it blew my mind that like the Richie Grays and the Hamish Watsons of the world aren't in the Scotland team. Yeah, that is crazy. That is mad. Like, They're massive. Was, Hamish Watson was like named best player of the Six Nations a couple of years ago, and he's not even on the squad. That's mental. Italy do have two very good hookers, two Benetton hookers. What is going on there, though? Well, we'll judge them next time. They need to practice and sort it out. Lucchese hasn't been back from a long injury for a while. As in, you get what I mean? He he was out for a long time and has only recently got back. So give him a bit of time. We'll see how things get on. 
and will judge them moving forward. However, Italy's Six Nations, and this is a, a headline, Italy's Six Nations will not be defined in any way by that game in Dublin. No one is going to look at Italy at the end of the Six Nations and say, well, they lost 36-0 to that Ireland team in Dublin. No, they could still have a hugely successful Six Nations or they could have a really disappointing Six Nations. But losing to Ireland in Dublin, I'm afraid, by quite a big margin in all probability, was a given. It was such an expected, it doesn't really matter. It was a free shot. And in some ways, it's good that it came so early in Casada's Six Nations. Mm -hmm. Because now he's got two weeks to learn properly from what the team did for him. Yeah, no, that's true. He sort of had to, what's the time when you have to eat your words, but there's egg on his face. He had a little bit of egg on his face because in a pre-match interview, he said, I think it's going to be game one in Dublin. I reckon it's going to be a lot closer than people think, basically, was what he was insinuating. And he obviously had to crawl back from that statement. I can see Um, why he made that statement, though, because lots of the stuff they did was good, but there were loads of what they call coach killers. Yeah, unforced error coach killers. That's what it was. That's what you felt like you were watching. Every time there was even a moment where you're like, oof, right, we're, we're going for it. We're on the attack. We would knock the ball on. It was our own errors, and that kills momentum. Momentum, absolutely. A lot of that. Ireland played fantastically. I remember when I was in Paris with my, you know, my my best mate, Hoggy, and uh, we'd just seen Ireland demolish Scotland. And uh, I asked him, you know, how do you beat that Irish side? And he said, he doesn't know. He didn't think you could. And that is exactly the same Irish side that we saw at the weekend. They haven't taken a step backwards. They haven't faltered. They are continuing exactly where they left off. Yeah. So, yes, moving mm-hmm. forward for Italy. Oh, sorry, were you saying something? No, I, was, I just sighed very loudly there. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but no, since I've got the floor. Um, <laughs> no, it is, it is hard to be positive, isn't it? <laughs> Wait, what? No, you're the one who started this with it is what it is. No, no. But it is. <laughs> I don't think that's the case. If they played a bang average side or a not very good side or a side that didn't play very well and they ended up like that, I would agree. A couple of years ago, they lost, I think, 33-0 to England in Stadio Olimpico. That That and this were not the same. This, Ireland were on fire. Ireland were powering through. Ireland were great. They looked like any side that would beat Ireland playing like that is a World Cup potential winning side. Yeah. And, and there were so many moments watching it back that I was like, this is good. This is great. Like in defense, there was so much good being done. So I don't think it's as bad as it looks on paper on that scoreboard. However, let's look ahead. Italy play France next in France. What do you change? What do you do? Who do you pick? How do you zhmuzh things up? Forget about two weeks ago well okay there there is a positive because they've just played ireland and it's a good benchmarking game isn't it they get to see where they are compared to some of the best teams in the world and france is one of those best teams in the world and obviously there's a bit of a history there so yeah they've got a bit more experience especially the, the front row that are quite young 
and they go they go to France with a bit more behind them than say if they played Scotland or Wales yeah. or no, so I, there is a positive. I actually there's think one for you. That is a positive. And I think the way that the games have worked out this year, I think actually this is kind of as good as it could be for Italy. Obviously, you know, playing Ireland away is never fun. But in terms of like the order in which you're facing these teams, I think get the three toughest out of the way. And even though Scotland are great, I still think they're like they're with us in terms of like because there's that history mentally, there's that history that you can take them. I think they can put in a really good show. So the structure, I think, is the right one to approach the yes. Six Nations. The order of the games has been good. And if we're going to be throwing these stats around these things, you know, you could say you could really try and spin it and say, well, hang on a minute. Italy just lost to a World Cup semi-finalist team by three points the week before. Obviously, we know that's not actually the case. And England didn't deserve to be anywhere near that semi-final. And <laughs> Ireland probably should have won the World Cup. <laughs> But that's where we are. Italy now go to France. It's in Lille, which is a shame because we could have got there because that's actually a very easy place to get to from London, but we didn't really clock onto that till a bit too late. Mm. Italy go play them. Anything can happen there. That's another journey. They've got two weeks before that game and then two weeks after that game. And then the real other targeting games starts. Italy will be targeting that game as a win because France, and we'll talk about it in a second, basically lost to Scotland, should have lost to Scotland. And they were also beaten quite heavily by Ireland. So those aren't signs coming from that French side right now, but they are anywhere near the same team that they were last year in the World Cup. They look an entirely different prospect. They really do. And Italy will be looking at that going, well, hang on, maybe that's another opportunity for us. But then after that, they've got Scotland at home. Scotland are looking good, but Italy have got them at home. And so that's the target. And then Wales, they're getting better all the time. Absolutely. But that's got to be a target. You've got to win some of these games from somewhere. So Italy's order of the games suits them. And what they did at the weekend is they got by far the hardest one out the way yeah but make no mistake if they lose 36 nil against france yeah the world will not be so forgiving yeah exactly i think you look at italy so far in this six nations did themselves so proud against england and disappointed generally i, I think it's fair to say they were disappointing they weren't abysmal they were it was just disappointing that they couldn't get anywhere close to scoring any points but that's it you know basically you're sitting on like you're here you're in the middle because you've had a great game and then you've had a disappointing game. So now you've got three to go. As Eddie said, the Six Nations in how Italy is viewed at the end of the Six Nations is still entirely in Italy's control. It is what it is. It is what it is. But no, honestly, I think going to Dublin and beating that Ireland side is like going to New Zealand, playing the All Blacks in Eden Park. There is no difference. That was the scale of what was happening. If you went to Eden Park and lost 36-0, you'd be like, meh, that's another day. Yeah. It is what it is. It is what it is. It is what it is. Psychology is free. You should make a little notebook of inspirational quotes, Coach. Yeah, we should make some merch. We should make some merch of Coach quotes. Moving on to France, I think as far as the team goes, yeah, well, they basically said Martin Pedro is probably going to start because... Casada wants to see all three scrum halves start a game. Yeah. And because he plays his rugby in France, he's going to get that. Makes he, sense. Yeah, does make sense. Hopefully, Negri 
is back because I think that absolute physicality was missed. Isakor did well enough. Isakor did well and he was against a really difficult side, but his tackles and things to me seemed a little bit passive. And yes, he's brand new on the international scene, but I want a little bit more going forward Mm -hmm. than than what I saw from him at the weekend. Obviously, the centres were excellent. I'm not sure if playing Capuzzo against Ireland was the right decision, but they probably will play him against France because he plays in France. But I think a bit more of a physical presence would have been useful against Ireland. I think Capuzzo will play in the France game, though. What I'm still unsure about, and don't get me wrong, Pani actually, I think, in defence was pretty good. Some good tackles, yeah. And he's come on leaps and bounds from literally a couple of months ago when defensively he was shocking when he was playing early season stuff with Zebre. But I just don't see how he fits in this. With I don't see what Gonzalo's trying to do with him. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't think he's being used fully. I just don't get it. I think I, I don't see the point of him there. And to me, he feels almost himself wasted, but also the position is a bit wasted. So we'll see if he switches things up for the France game. Paolo at 10 was all right against Ireland, but everyone kind of made mistakes. You know, Paolo against England was brilliant. So yeah, look. Maybe I'd like to see him a little bit more defensively solid. Hmm. But I wouldn't make any like massive changes. And as I said, they've got two weeks to go over all their stuff. I think what they really should do is work on that lineup for the next two weeks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because also like psychology is free. I can't believe I'm sitting here quoting you like you're some sort of Dalai Lama. But psychology is free. And the issue with psychology is as soon as you get in your head about the line out being shit, the line out can and will continue to be shit. And if they've had two games of crappy, 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 crappy line outs, they really need to shake this. Just like Benetton needed to shake the away game cast, Italy need to shake this line out thing before it becomes a thing thing. Absolutely. I agree. So what else have we got from the weekend? Obviously, I don't want to talk about it too much, but I am firmly in the camp that that Scotland try was a try and they were massively hard done by. Anyone that says that ball wasn't on the ground is getting into a debate about atomic physics. It was obviously on the ground. And for me, those angles show definitely enough. It was on the ground. End of. That's it. I'm not having any discussion about it. I don't want to hear any rebuttal. That's it. It was a try. They were robbed. Look, they, they, I mean, yes, I think. Can you imagine if it had been Italy? Honestly. If I was Finn Russell, I would have just gone up to the referee and just asked him, okay, you can't see that it's clearly grounded, but could you give me a description of what you're seeing in that picture? Where would you describe that ball to be? Because it's not <laughs> on someone's foot, which is where it started. So from between the foot and the ground... <laughs> What happened there? Where did it go? Just tell me. Look at me in the eye and tell me <laughs> where that ball is. If you describe it to a five-year-old, yeah, because also you're kind of also saying like if you can't see it exactly on the floor, like yeah, you can. Like you can see it as much on the floor as you can see boots on the floor. It's a very zoomed-in mm. lens. Yeah, yeah. That's just what it looks like. Yeah. But I... if you draw the rest of the ball, you know, for that ball not to be on the floor, it would have to suddenly magically turn into half a rugby ball. Yeah, and also it only has to touch one blade of grass. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was it was, it was just cowardice because was, not, it, you have to go by the letter of the law. I get that you're a referee, that's your job. But I also want my referees to have some critical thinking skills. <laughs> it's part of their 
job interview. So do you have a brain? Do you have reasons? No, but I skills? think it, I think actually it's the opposite of that, right? Referees uh, uh, just have to go by the letter of the law because I then think everyone has said. Let's just have a uh, let's just have a robot do it. <laughs> if it takes no critical thinking or assessment, yeah, that's get true. a computer to do it. That's true. You're, you're reducing your own responsibility by not having an opinion on something obvious. Like the thing is, Nick Barry had a better view than any camera, right? So the fact that he said, "I've got it held up," so I'm gonna, but I'm gonna take it to the TMO. I kind of felt for that TMO. I mean, the TMO literally said, "So here's the ball on the foot," and then you see it here on the ground. And they literally said those words. And then they rock and rolled it really slowly after yeah. saying that. Yeah. And then he took it back because he was like, I cannot definitively prove that it's on the... I just, yeah, if it had been it was like... me, I don't know what... And also, you know, these things do come back and haunt everyone. It will yeah. affect the tournament. France yeah. suddenly have four points when they shouldn't have. Scotland yeah. should have had those points. It, you know, it, it will affect the yeah. table. Someone will finish above someone else because of it. And, for, and look, France, I don't think you'll find another French person who hand on heart will tell you that that wasn't a try. However, what they will say is the question asked by the referee was phrased in such a way that it wasn't a try. Because that's yeah. that's what happened. It was literally a matter of questioning and phrasing. And there we go. Yeah. It is what it is. It is what it is. But it's not what it is because Scotland is taking this to world rugby. Yes, watch this space. Nothing will change. England versus Wales. We were there. That was a pretty boring game, but it was, you know, nice to be there. Nice to be there. We had a lovely picnic beforehand. Game wasn't particularly exciting and was a chalk and cheese standard from what we saw from Ireland. Yeah, I would just very quickly, for anyone who's never been to Twickenham, Twickenham is great. It was beautiful. Really lovely stadium. I've been a couple of times. However, the size of the seat is I'm going to say for like a, a pre-adolescent child. That's how squished you are. They're expensive tickets and the cost of those tickets doesn't necessarily give you any wider space to sit in. That's all I will say. But they're iconic and green. An exciting game though was very much the Italy under-20s playing against the Ireland under-20s on Friday. I was going to do an 80 minutes and two minutes but this but I haven't had time. But Long story short, Italy lost by a point in I, one of the most exciting games of age group rugby you'll see. I think it was the most exciting game of age group rugby I've ever seen. I would like to say that, again, the stadium was packed. But also, I have been getting a few messages from people who I would not expect to have watched this game. No way. And commented over how good Italy were. Completely yeah. out of the blue. Going, I don't know why they were watching it. But it's obviously gaining popularity, this under-20s thing. Well, I think they're doing a really good job, say, in the UK. Some of our listeners will be elsewhere. But all the under-20 games happen on a Friday evening, so you can watch them, and they're all free on BBC. Yeah, it's great. That's a really positive thing. And they don't look awful either. It's not like you're at some no. school ground watching this play. They're under-20s. They're all men, and they're all professional. And But they're not filmed badly either. You no, they're replays. filmed properly. You get commentary you know yeah. this one was at a sold out was at Thormund Park I have been there but they looked great for anyone listening Italy almost had it in the bag <sighs> and then they conceded a try 74 minutes in and then the clock the last play of the game it was around the halfway line Ireland had a scrum all they needed to do was pick it up and kick it out 
and Italy heroically drove them off the ball. It was incredible. Won the penalty, oh. kicked it down the pitch. They were in the Irish 22. And then obviously it slowed down a bit. People got a little bit nervous and then it flew out to the backs who they've been playing really bloody well. The man was in, the pass was given and it just went down. It went to ground. No try, but someone's got to win. Someone's got to lose. Mm. Obviously for this podcast, it would have been great for Italy to win, but it was 100% entertainment and really good stuff. And a star was born. The new Tommaso Menoncello, his name is... Marco Scalabrin. He scored two tries, chased down an interception and stopped Ireland scoring and set up a third try. He is one to watch. You're going to be hearing a lot of him. He's in the Benetton Academy, so expect to see him in the United Rugby Championship at some point in the not-too-distant future. What a superstar. Him, and if I had to give my player of the match, it would have gone to him. And if I had to give a player of the match for the forwards, it would have gone to our very own Marcos Gallerini, who was just a beast in those scrums. That Italy scrum, look, we're not dealing with dickheads. Ireland are the best under-20s team. They drove them basically off almost every scrum. It was ridiculous. And that final scrum, Ireland have the put in and Italy are like, we don't want to lose this game. We're going to drive them off their own scrum. And not like, like there was no doubt. And that referee was not giving sort of 50-50s. He was only calling stuff for Italy if it was like nobody else could argue it any other way. Oh yeah, They drove them off that ball more than I've ever seen. <laughs> and you never see that. The Irish were singing. Yeah. yeah. And you know, loads of people yeah. say you don't see that anymore. You never see a team driven off their own ball when they have a put-in. But so to see it in the 80th minute in the last play of the game, magical. Magical. It was magical. Remember the name, Marco Scalabrin. But yes, that's another exciting thing. Marco Scalabrin, winger for the under-20s. I mean, pair him with Menoncello in the centres. And let's say it because it's news now. Ding, ding, ding. Transfer news. Benetton have just announced that Lewis Liner is signing for next season. Avengers assemble. Literally Avengers assemble. We've got Paolo Dogo on one wing, Lino on the other wing, Menoncello, Brax in your centres, this toddler coming up from the under-20s. Is there someone from Bath coming as well? There's rumours that the Bath fullback, what's his name, Gallagher, I think, is yeah. going to Benetton. It's not yeah. confirmed, we can say it, because we don't know anything. Yeah. We're not betraying anyone. We just read about it on Twitter. But... Apparently, he's also Italian qualified. Yeah. And that's the thing about Lewis Liner. Lewis Liner is obviously Italian qualified. And by going to Benetton, the place of his birth, Treviso, he's basically announcing that he's going to be playing for Italy. There's a lot of talk about whether he might be playing for Italy in the Six Nations, because why not? But I don't think they can. I think there's probably some contractual agreement if he was playing at Harlequins as an English, as an RFU, English eligible Um, player. Yeah. I mean, it would feel a bit quick if he was, yeah, it would all feel a bit rushed. But whatever, I don't care. He's coming over. He'll play for us soon. He'll play for Benetton soon. Benetton are building a side for world domination. They are. Guys, they are. The signings they've had in recent years. They're insane. Um, Obviously, some people have obviously speculated that because he's coming over, there's a couple of wings who are out of contract. And so who's going to leave? I don't want to talk about who's going to leave. I think it's, it's sad. No, but look, him coming over. It's a massive statement of intent from both Benetton and him. Yeah, because he's also he's eligible for England and Australia, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. And who wants to go and live in Australia? That's like me. Oh, my God, he's me. 
He's literally me. I could play for England, Italy, or Australia. Could I play for England? You've lived here for long enough, yeah. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Get your boots on. <laughs> Somebody said this to me. Who was it? it? Was like, oh yeah, we need like in the mixed women's thirties, like the Italy seven a touch rugby team. I was like, guys, do it. I've played half a tournament. <laughs> imagine if you get capped for Italy. That'll be. Can you imagine? Do it. Ring you... someone. Talk to someone. We'll we'll train you up, <laughs> and we'll get you there. Would you come watch my game? Hundred percent. Get Dave to train you up. Dave could train me up. Okay, you could fine, do it. guys. I'll join Find the, out. the, Find the out. women's thirty-five-year-old so touch rugby team. Do it. Right, moving on quickly because there's a lot to talk about. Because guys, this weekend the URC is back. There's not that much to say, but yes, the URC is back. And this <laughs> week we've got on Friday evening we've got Zebra hosting Edinburgh. So anyone listening to this, get to Palmer, watch the game. Edinburgh probably, you know, missing a bunch of internationals. Yeah. Zebra missing a few, and it's going to be interesting who they get back. Hopefully, they get them all back because oh. Jesse hasn't really been doing much. Zambinin's been a bit busy. Panny probably won't be playing because he's done a lot. But either way, I don't think they've done enough to not be back. Yeah. So they could be playing. It's all up to Casada and what they want to do. Do you think the Scotland team will release the Edinburgh guys? Well, I think so. It's possible, but it depends. You know. You, they do need a break. This is, this is meant to be a week off for the internationals, yeah. but Simona Jesse hasn't played any no, in the last I... two weeks. He's been rested, so he can be back, and he's their try-scoring machine. Yeah. And then if you enjoyed watching Ireland play Italy in Dublin, well, you're in luck because it's going to happen again because <laughs> Leinster are playing Benetton in Dublin, and yeah. that is the first place versus the second place in the BKT URC. Both of them absolutely ravaged with internationals away, but also both have huge depth. So yeah. still expect a really good game. It's actually going to be really interesting to see who is hurt more between those two teams as a result of their internationals being away because they both have massive depth, but they also are first and second in the table. It's, it's so exciting. I wish, I wish it was at home. That would be my only thing. Interesting, the different kind of depth here. It's probably worth mentioning. Obviously, Leinster have got massive academy depth. Benetton have got good academy depth as well, but Leinster is probably in a league of its own when it comes to that. Mm. However, Benetton have got huge foreign international international depth. So they've got Malachi Fekatoa, the World Cup winner. They've got Jacob Umanga. They've got Andy Uren. They've got all their South African forwards. They've got a whole bunch. They've got Rhino Smith. He's injured, though. Oh, Rhino, his hand. And he said we were going to do a front flip with him when we reached 2,000 Instagram followers, and we can't because we got there too quickly. His (laughs) hand isn't fixed. You'll have to do it without him, coach. Maybe when we get to 5,000. I don't mind waiting. (laughs) Anything. Anything for a flip off with Rhino. That sounded... Yeah. But yes, the URC is back and I'm actually quite excited about it. As much as I'm enjoying the Six Nations, who doesn't love the Six Nations? It's quite fun to have the URC back for a week. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of, I miss the guys. I miss seeing the guys. Yep, and the Zebra versus Edinburgh, that's a game that Zebra will be targeting. Yeah. 100% they'll be targeting that. There's absolutely no doubt about it. They will have been working hard the last few weeks getting ready for that game. Leinster versus Benetton is a colossal titanic battle top of the league versus the top of the league we shall see what made coach mad this week 
there was. I don't know if you missed it because I know you're in the pub and you're probably utilizing half time. But before the punditry, there was a small, but obviously a lot of effort gone into this montage of the first half. And it was all Ireland stuff. It was like, you know, at the end of the game where they do like this montage and it's like well edited and a lot of effort goes into it. There's, there's like a half one before the, the punditry came on. And I was like, why is it all why is it all, all Ireland? And it was just like, this is so self-indulgent that throughout the whole game, sort of like, I don't know, doing what they should be doing. They were making this little montage just for the half, just for half time. And they were only up 19 points. It wasn't over by any stretch of the imagination. I know maybe it could have been, but still, you're only 19 points. It was not like it's 30 nil. They hadn't got a bonus point win yet. Yeah. No. And they just completely wrote it, wrote it off. And but they do you think that they montage. literally just were like, well, there's no, Italy have scored no points. So I, we can't, there's nothing to put in there. Yeah. But how many games have you seen where it's 19 nil at half time? It's like, yeah, they've got to come back from that. Not, here's a montage of what you've just watched. And it's all one team. <laughs> I just found it like, necessary. Made you mad. Yeah. Made me mad. Sorry you felt that way. <laughs> Yeah, I thought you guys had spotted it, but you were at a day spot, living your best life. It was my birthday. I was too busy getting angry. Why weren't you at his birthday party, coach? He lives in Birmingham. Wasn't invited. You actually didn't invite him. Had enough of him. <laughs> Sees way too much of me. <laughs> well, he, we were at a day spot for Eddie's birthday. It was fun. I'm sorry you weren't there. No, it's fine. Next time we'll invite you. I'm used to it. <laughs> Sounds like two things have made you mad. And those two things are what made Coach mad this week. So we'll be back next week to look over the URC. I really hope Benetton do themselves proud in Dublin. The rematch of Ireland versus Italy with the internationals this time. And hopefully Zebra can pull a blinder on Edinburgh. Why not? It could happen. Absolutely could. Um, in other news, we've taken a little break from our fantasy rugby league. I think it's worth mentioning that um, there's uh, how many of us? There's about 25 of us in this fantasy rugby league, the Spritz and Scrums fantasy rugby league. Winner gets a night on the town with coach. Not paid for by coach. <laughs> he wants to make that known. <laughs> Buy your drink. He's not an animal. A gentleman. He's <laughs> He's not subsidising the entire affair, yeah. but he'll but he'll be there to provide wonderful, hearty company. Um, however, currently sitting in number one is a I don't know who this person is, but their fantasy rugby name is El Diablo Twenty Two. Would you like a night out with him, Coach? Or her? Or her? El Diablo it sounds like a sex toy. <laughs> and so, are you excited? Well, I don't think he's local, judging by. The name. I'm not flying out, by the way. Well, next not, time you're in, wherever we're going to be, we'll find out where El Diablo lives. And if we're there for a game, you'll hit the town. Where am I in this league? I oh, so that's actually worth mentioning. Um, we are really embarrassing ourselves in this league. Both yourself and me are pretty much sitting at the very bottom. There's only one person lower than us in this league. Actually, two people, but one of them, it appears, entered the league and then never played because they have zero points. But yeah, you're sitting as low as it could possibly get, coach. I had a shocking round because I picked Melanchello and he got yellow carded. Still time. And I'm not playing. What? I know. After all that. Hustle. After all that. Look, I made fantasy league content, but 
it stresses me out. I'm not doing it. I've got enough to do. So anyway, if anyone's going to take El Diablo, uh, there's a couple of people sitting in the 700s and it's anyone's game. So three games away from a night out with Coach. Yay. Guys, we've hit 2,000 followers on Instagram. Thank you all so much for joining us there. Um, I'm really pleased with that because I, I kind of man the Instagram. So. I make all the content for it. <laughs> but if you like that, tell people about it. Let's keep it growing. Keep it growing and move on to the TikTok. Coach makes some TikToks. You make some TikToks. You know, there's lots of channels and we're, we're spanning them all. Um, Coach does have a gift for you all to celebrate the 2000, which will be coming out this weekend, Coach. Yeah, because I make content too. <laughs> and that's what you're all really here to see. It just no one likes it, though. <laughs> if it's a bit tacky, just give it a like because... It means he did it. <laughs> you wouldn't want to know what I actually do for a living. That's the embarrassing part, but... Someone give it a like, please. No, look, look, there's 2001 that's coming out the weekend. It's going to be beautiful. Please like it. He'll be really sad if you don't. And a lot of effort from what we hear is going to go into it. So follow us there and give it a like. Thank you all for listening. As usual, if you did enjoy it, if you are enjoying listening to us, whatever you're listening to us on, rate us. Give us a five star. We'd love that. Really appreciate it. Tell everyone you know. Grazie mille. Like and subscribe. It is what it is. Ciao. Ciao a tutti.